Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But you think about that. I just saw this picture of God, the Father, walking in and standing really next to every single one of us. And he, he was there to defend you. He's there to be with you and protect you and rescue you. He's your defender. Have you, have you, have you ever had somebody defend you? You know what I mean? Like they come and they stand beside you and you realize and you're looking at this person and you're like, man, calm down a little bit. You're getting fired up. This is, they take it personally on behalf of you. They come to your defense. They take up your issue. They take, and I mean in a healthy way where you needed to be defended and they come to you and they stand beside you and link arms with you and, and fight for you. Have you ever had that happen for you? Have you ever done that for somebody? This is either going really deep or y'all are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. But I just saw that. He, he, he's like, no, this one belongs to me. This one is mine. You are the one. This one is mine. He steps in. But see, here's the thing. He defends you against sin. He defends you against the enemy. Most of us need to be defended against ourselves. God will step in between you and you and fight for you because of where we go, what, what we do to ourselves and our minds and in our thinking. Man, we tear ourselves down way too often. All day, every day sometimes. We are our own worst enemy standing there tearing ourselves down because we do to ourselves what God's not even willing to do to us. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. When was the last time you looked at yourself and saw only what God has done in you? Not what God has done in you mixed with your worst effort or your best effort. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you looked at yourself and all you saw was Jesus? We've got all these qualifiers. We can look at other people and do that, but ourselves. No, man, you're worth being defended. You are worth being rescued. For one reason, because God loves you. And, you know, when you live in that state of knowing and feeling love, I mean, think about it. Those of you that are parents or those of you that had healthy parent relationships with your parents, you know, did you do better when you were in trouble or when you were being encouraged and promoted and lifted up and supported? You know, it's like when you're in that environment of freedom and when you're in that environment of courage and you're in that environment of knowing and feeling loved, you're not worried about disappointing this person because all you're getting from them is encouragement. But see, we have to tune our ear to which voice we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit who's encouraging us? Or are we going to look at our past 
which may be as recent as this morning on the way to church. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. <laughs> you know, but man, we, we just, we take, we, we take the wrong information to look at ourselves. I know how it is. You know, it's like, we got to go. Hurry up, get to church. Let's go, 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 go. And you walk in, anyway. <laughs> if you're late, don't be late. I mean, don't, you know, don't be on time at the risk of pe losing peace in your household. If you're late here, don't worry about it. We're not all going to look at them, mm -hmm, see, when they walk in the door. Don't worry, you're not going to miss the anointing if you come in during the third song. It's okay. So I was really trying to put this message together, but the only thing I could get for this week really I'm just going to let the Bible speak for itself. So Philip's going to throw up a bunch of scripture back here. Basically, it's just Galatians, most of chapter 3, and a little bit of chapter 4. But we're going to do it from the New Living Translation. I like the New Living Translation. Well, it's actually not a translation. It's what's called a paraphrase. A translation would be where they actually take the time to look at the original language and look at the words and the definitions and put it into, you know, hold to the original language. But a paraphrase, they read the original language and they're like, that's kind of confusing. It sounds better this way. But this, these particular passages are pretty true. I might change a couple things, but, you know, no big deal. But I, I just want you to see what it sounds like when you just talk about this stuff from a non-religious perspective. Without, has anybody read the New Living Translation before? A few of you, yeah. You can go to um, biblehub.com. I don't know, what, what are some of y'all's favorite websites, Bible websites? There's Bible Gateway, blueletterbible.org. Blue letter I use that one mostly, actually. Studylight.com. Is that the app? Touch Bible. Mike showed me this cool app on his phone that uh, it's got the, all the original stuff. You just click on a word and boom, it pops up all the definitions and the original languages. Touch Bible? Touch Bible. I think, it's a, I think there's a charge on that one, a couple dollars or something. But The New Living is good because you can just read it and it's, it's like a story. It's kind of like the message. It's a paraphrase, but it's really good because what we need to grasp are the concepts. You know, we, sometimes we focus too much, and I, I'm, I'm a teacher. So I like to drill down on the meanings of the words. And man, I'm like, nope, it doesn't mean that. It means this and get it right, you know. But sometimes you just need the poetic concept, conceptual thoughts in your mind, you know. So that's what I would love for us to do over this, the rest of this Christmas season. Just take a little bit of time, go into like either the message or the new living. Just most websites have it, most Bible websites. And specifically read through Galatians because Christmas is a time to focus on what we, what's called the incarnation, God becoming a human. And we put a lot of focus on that, but we forget sometimes why. It was to die for you. It was to change places with you because you, in your own effort and in your own strength, because you're a human, not because you're worthless, but because you're simply human and you, have, you had a flesh nature, self-effort nature, you can't gain eternal life on your own. That is the reason God came here as a human was to live as a human and cleanse this place under the authority of a human and give us what he gained. 
so that we can live with God in a context of freedom. And see, we have to realize that we are living in response to what he did, knowing that we are in freedom. You don't have to worry about God keeping tabs on you. Very specifically, it says God is not holding your sins against you. Imagine that. Why are you holding them against you? Who is doling out the punishment, God or you? Are you saying sin's okay? Come on. I don't know why people go there when you preach this way, you know. It's just bizarre to me. All right, so let's look at this because what I want you to, to realize is that Paul is teaching here, and he's talking to some guys that got off track and they started to go back under mixing the new covenant with the old covenant, which is a lot of the books are written for that reason. But he's trying to make them realize, look, you can't go back under the law. You can't go back under the system of offering an animal for the atonement of sin. You can't go back under the system of trying to gain from God through the law. That's gone. He said, in fact, that was never meant for that. It's really interesting when you read the New, the new Living because you just get, you, you, you get the, the story part of it. And you realize what we're dealing with now is what God promised to Abraham, what, 3,500 years ago? Uh, or 25? Scholars help me out. Sam, how long ago? Sam just left the room. <laughs> long time ago. I'm looking. What was the question? Abraham. 2,500 years? No, 3,500. 35. 1,800 B.C. So you had to go and do that to you. 3,800. Long time ago. And it was a promise that God made to Abraham that we are now reaping the benefit of because Jesus is here. See, we put, Christians put so much focus on this 430-year period of thousands of years of human history, of God dealing with mankind. There's a sliver of time, 430 years in between, that we call the law that we put so much emphasis on that. Really, the emphasis should be on what it was like in the garden, and then when God made promises, and then what we're living in now in Christ. And I praise God for the law, because what it was for was to show you you can't do it on your own. You need a schoolmaster to keep you guys from dying off as a people group, to protect the bloodline of the Messiah. Until the Messiah gets here, then you don't need, to, then you don't need the law anymore. Man, I'm telling you, that makes preachers nervous. You start preaching, you don't need the law anymore. Oh man, you're a heretic, you're hypergrace, you're dangerous, watch out for those people. Well, you know what? It's in the Bible. It says you don't need the law anymore when you have the Spirit. The Spirit is a much better teacher than the letter of the law. The Spirit of God in you is the way of God manifest. That's what the law is. It's, this is the best way to live on this planet. See, if, you're, if, you, if you think about the law, you have to realize Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. Did he live under fear from the Father? No. Did he live with a constant mindset of, I've got to do all these things to keep from being cursed? No. He lived loved. He lived free, and he lived full of power. Jesus is the exact picture of what it 
could have looked like to live perfectly under the law. Do you realize that? Like we think living under the law means you're just working it hard and doing right and pleasing God. And it's like, no, it was a faith thing for him. The reason he perfectly fulfilled the law was because he perfectly lived in faith. I didn't think I was going to preach this long. We got a lot to read here, so I'm, going to, I'm just trying to set it up because the point is not to focus on the law, not to try to feel like, you know what, God's tr waiting to scrutinize me. If I mess up, then, then I've got to go through this like, you know, punishment period before I'm back to the place where I can be blessed again. You know, like God puts you on probation or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, you can't have this kind of freedom. You got to sit over here under this probation for a little while. Once I feel like it's long enough, then now you can be fully blessed when you're over here. Nope, you messed up too. And like, there's different probationary. We put ourselves under probation. I know you do it when you sin, whatever your favorite sin is, what you do is you hide from God for a couple of weeks till you quit feeling guilty. Then you go back to him. Everybody does that. Stop it. Stop it, Dave. <laughs> but the, the, the reason of all of this and what we're going to get to after we read all of this, I think we got time, is to show us that God made promises to Abraham and to his seed, which was Christ, that we would experience blessing, that, God, that, that, that the children of Abraham would be blessed through Abraham. We are the children of Abraham because we are children by faith, by grace through faith in Christ. See, the whole reason for all of God's communication with humankind was to reveal he's a father. And he wants us in his family so he can bless us as children. God is not some wizard up there that you've got to figure out how to dance around in your gift long enough for him to release things for, I don't know, what, what do we do with, why do we get so religious with stuff? Anyway, let's, let's go here. This is going to be Galatians chapter 3, starting in in New Living. Now, it's a lot. And if you can't see, just act like this is a living room, right? If you were in your house and there were people you couldn't see, you'd move, you'd move closer to the television or something, you know, don't worry, you can move in church. It's okay <laughs> to stand up. There's lots of, there's lots of, uh, room up here. So if you can't read it, move on up. Thank you, sir. I'm going to read. All right. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So Abraham received righteousness because he trusted God. He received the promise of you will, you will own land there was physical and spiritual blessing for Abraham. The spiritual blessing was he was counted as righteous, but he received a bunch of stuff too. God wants to bless you spiritually and physically. Say that, spiritually and physically. It's not, it's not that difficult if you look at Abraham's life. But the point of all of this, God's really made one promise to humankind from the very beginning, and that is, I will save you. I will rescue you. I want you in my family, and I will come down there myself and seal it in my own blood to have you as my child. That's what it's all about. So, but those who depend on the law, now get this, because here's what we do. I'm going to preach just two more minutes. Is that all right? Then we'll read this. See, we don't think that we're legalistic 
because we're freedom people, right? We're grace people. We know grace. I don't know. I'm not trying to depend on the law. But as soon as you mess up, you start thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Or maybe sickness comes in or a debt shows up that you're not expecting. I wonder what I did. I wonder, I wonder what I did to bring this into my life. And depending on where you are in this transition, you might still think that it's coming from God. These tragedies or these difficulties or these challenges or these trials to maybe make you a little bit more holy, to make you a little bit more qualified for blessing. Now see, here's the thing. You guys have been sitting in this church long enough to intellectually know that that's not right, but it's, some of us haven't gotten all the way down into our hearts yet, which is where the real struggle is. That's why I like to read these kinds of paraphrases because you think on it conceptually and you'll start, it'll start affecting your heart. But you know what I'm saying. Something goes wrong. Don't raise your hand. But do you go to, I wonder what I did. What did I do to make this difficulty come into my life? You know what you call that? Self-righteousness. You didn't think you were self-righteous, did you? You thought you were humble and there's no way that you could be righteous and your strength. And No, I'm not self-righteous. I don't think I can earn anything from God. No, but you think you can disqualify yourself from blessing. If you think that you can disqualify yourself from blessing because of your behavior, you're self-righteous. You think your right standing with God depends upon your behavior. You old self-righteous thing, you. Think about it. No. It's a promise that God made that he wants to bless you because you're his child. You either receive it or you don't. Now, your sin may rob your confidence before God, which closes your hands and makes you look at yourself rather than at him. But you don't disqualify yourself from blessing. No sin is not okay. Sin still produces death. Stay away from sin. That's why God gives you grace is to not ever go back into it again. It's never okay. It kills. For generations to come, it can kill. Those who depend on the law, see, we all, we don't think that we do, but we do. We still in our hearts depend on the law a little bit because we look at ourselves and wonder why our life's in the condition that it's in because of the wrong things that we've done. You're still depending on the law for yourself to receive blessing. That's all right. We're going to let go of that. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe, observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by keeping the law. I wish preachers knew that. Don't you? I mean, have you heard some sermons? I'm not saying we got it all figured out and we're the best church and everybody else is wrong. I'm really not trying to do that. I'm not trying to create division in the body. I'm trying to get us to maybe put a little bit of pressure back and say, you know what, you guys need to preach the gospel. You can't be made right by trying to keep the law. Notice it says trying to keep the law because you can't keep the law. Trying to. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. There's so many basic fundamental things that we have to reshape our faith on in these couple of passages. And that's why I wanted to pick that. But it's through faith 
that a righteous person has life. All right. So this way of faith is very different from the way of the law. That's why when Jesus showed up, he said, repent, because the kingdom's here. We're going to live by faith now, not by the law. It's a totally different way of thinking. You have to use your heart to think, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. That means there's no punishment for you if you break the law. Am I preaching dangerous? I mean, is that dangerous? Is it dangerous for me to tell you God's not going to curse you if you break the law? You'd be surprised. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. I mean, you could just think, just meditate on that. Galatians 3.13 for like a week. And just see what it does to you. He took upon himself the curse for your wrongdoing. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. That was a big debate among the early church. Could Gentiles, could non-Jews who carried the revelation of Jehovah God, Yahweh God, from, for thousands of years until this current time when Jesus is here, can Gentiles also now be saved? Can Gentiles also be the chosen people? See, the chosen people are the ones who are in Christ through faith, not because they got middle, a particular area of Middle East running through their veins. All right, so <clears throat> through Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. They had a really hard time with that in the early church. So that we, especially Peter, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Go ahead and go to the next one. So the, the first part of the promise is you get the Holy Spirit. That's the spiritual part, but there's also a physical aspect to the blessing. So is this going to be too much reading for you? Are we, are we good? Are you getting something out of it? All right. Verse 15, Galatians 3. Brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Do you like how this reads? Those of you that have not read New Living, it's, it's good. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement... So it is in this case. God, so this is an irrevocable agreement, the promise that God made to Abraham that you're qualified for because you're in Jesus. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Now, here's what I want you to see. All the references to child and children and father and graciousness and all this, this is where we're going. The reason God reached into this dimension is because he sees you as his child and he wants to be your father. And that, of course, means Christ. Christ is the child. He's the seed. The King James says it a little bit differently. The promise was made to Abraham and his seed. That means the covenant, this new covenant that we share in is between God and the son, the seed. See, the covenant is not for you to have to upkeep. You're not quali Covenants worked this way. I bonded with you, and I made promises to you, and you made promises to me. And if either one of us broke those promises, we broke the covenant. So it was up to us and our word and our character to uphold that covenant. God, the Father, and God, the Son, are in covenant with one another, and we get to share in that. Which one of them do you think is going to fail? Neither one of them. That means you're safe in this covenant because... Because you've been brought into it. So this is what I'm trying to say. 
The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. See, healing is a promise. Deliverance from fear and shame and guilt is a promise. Financial provision is a promise. That's all part of the blessing of Abraham. For if the inheritance could be received, all family language inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. See, God didn't show up and say, Abraham, you better do right or you're not going to get the promise. He said, no, you better believe right because I know you can't do right. I've been watching you. So why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child was promised. The law was fully and completely fulfilled in Christ and absolutely does not apply to you. Your self-righteousness has to die today because you're a child safe in his family. How much do you want to let God bless you? How much are you willing to let God bless you because you're his child? That's the, that's the struggle we go through. How much do I see myself as a child and how much am I willing to let God bless me? God gave his law through angels to Moses who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement, but God who is one did not use a mediator. In another area it says he swore by himself. God swore by himself. In other words, he upholds his own covenant. A mediator, when he gave his promise to Abraham, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? See, this is the debate going on now in this grace awakening that is sweeping the planet. People are actually discovering that there's a new covenant and, and some of the traditional religionists are scared to death that people are going to be free from the law because they think that that's what's going to keep people doing right. And it's not. Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could make right, uh, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so we, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. You have to let that aspect, that you're not a slave to sin, you're not under the law, go deep down into how you feel about yourself and your own behavior. Because we are our own schoolmaster, taskmaster, imposing the law upon ourselves when we miss it. That's what we do. We beat ourselves up and we use the law to do it. But if you don't have anything to beat yourself with, maybe you'll get free, right? I mean, yes, we should absolutely take responsibility for our behavior. Yes, we should take responsibility for the freedom that we have, that we see it being paralleled into this country. People aren't willing to take responsibility for the freedom, so the freedoms are going away. People are losing the freedoms because the people are not living as free people. They're living as dependents. Just protect me, keep me safe, feed me, and I'm good. That's all people want, unfortunately. They don't realize that they get that in Christ. As far as I'm going into that, that's all I'm going to say about that.
So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us. I, I remember I was reading this this week and that, that phrase stood out to me. Before the way of faith in Christ was available. That means it's available now. The way you live is by faith, not working up enough faith to make God happy, but this environment of freedom. In other words, you live from a place where you have been translated into this spiritual kingdom of God and you live by trust and dependence on Him, not through physical effort trying to please Him. You're in Christ, you're pleasing to God. So before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. You ever feel like you're still in protective custody? You know, because we got our favorite little sin and it's like, a, you ever been under house arrest? Don't raise your hand. You got those little bracelets, you know. Can you only go so far? That's what we do. We strap those anklets around our own selves and write our, perfect, our favorite little sin on it and we just hang on to it. And you just look at it. You're like, I, I can't go anywhere. I got this thing on. Like, you, like it's supposed to be there. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Say, I am right with God. And now that the way of faith has come, we, are no, we no longer need the law as our guardian. What? But you've got to balance it. You've got to balance this grace stuff with the law. Some of y'all had not heard this. You're not in the conversation, but some of you have. Some of you are paying attention and you hear it and there are some big name guys out there that have large platforms and they love to throw around words like hypergrace. Watch out for those people that say that you're not under the law anymore because, you know, yes, it's true. Yes, I see that it's in the Bible, but be careful. Come on. Uh, you no longer need the law as our guardian. Why? Because you've got the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. The spirit of the living God dwelling within you. Which would you rather have? Being taught from the inside by God or some rules written down? Yeah, but you have to keep, you have to keep the rules around just in case. Can we quit being so carnal about our, our carnal about our Christianity? All right, next one. This is going to be Galatians four, and I'm just kind of skipping to the middle of Galatians four. This is where he wraps it up. This is the point. This is where he wants your mind to go to after revealing that you're free from the law, after revealing that Christ is in the earth, after revealing that there's a way of salvation independent from your works that puts you in my family by faith. My son has accomplished everything and, and, and made it available for you to be my child. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, that's where I think maybe the guy that did the translation here was a Baptist because that's not really what it says. It says baptized in Christ, which just means you've been placed into Christ. You have been submerged into Christ. That's what it means. So 
have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. See, th this is where we live now. Christ is in us, and daily it is our responsibility to put Christ on us. The Holy Spirit is in you, but you choose whether or not you're going to allow Him to dwell on you. When you operate in your gifts, you're allowing Him to dwell on you. When you are living in a power greater than sin, you are allowing Him to dwell on you. When you are confident in something that makes no sense physically, you're putting Him on. You're putting on the new man. This is what we do. We go through the mind renewal process to be transformed into the image. See, the seed has been placed within us, and that seed of Christ is seeking to grow so that we, are, we look more and more and more and more and more like Him, not through effort, but through faith. You are transformed not by keeping the law. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to look like Christ, if you want to look more like Christ, you got to change the way you think. Because what is already true of you is that you look exactly like Christ. And you are just as powerful. You have the anointing from the Holy One and it abides. It doesn't leave. It lives within you. So all who have been united with Christ and baptized into Him have put on Christ like putting on new clothes, you know. I, I, I try to give you guys things that will stick that help and different things stick with different people, this one might stick with you. When you wake up in the morning and you're putting your clothes on, go through this mindset. You know what? Christ is in me. I'm going to put him on today. I am going to think like him today. I'm going to look at myself. Think, think about this. You have trouble maybe looking at yourself like God sees you, but how does God see Jesus? And then what, to what degree can you see yourself in Jesus so that you identify with what God sees? Does that make sense to you? So when you're putting these things on, you're not looking at yourself thinking, oh, I've got to look more like Jesus. No. Jesus is perfect. I'm putting him on. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is holy. Jesus is free from sin. Jesus is free from sickness. Jesus is free from death. Jesus has streets made of gold. And you're, and you're beholding what's true of him. And you're putting that on. You're putting on the truth of who he already is. Not that you're trying to become something. See, we think being transformed means we're trying to become something that we're not already. No, it's in there. Like the caterpillar, the butterfly wings are already in there. They just grow so that it can lift it up off the ground. Those wings are already in there. So there's no longer Jew or Gentile. This was specific to their mindset, slave or free, male or, free, male or female. Did you realize that? There's no longer male or female. Some people have difficulty with females speaking in church. It's because they are carnally thinking about who these people are, who people are. They're looking at you saying, nope, you are a male, you are a female, you're qualified, you're disqualified. It's like, okay, you're carnal about your Christianity because in the kingdom, there is no male nor female. So for all are one in Christ Jesus, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promises, God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Amen. How powerful is this? I mean, it's really some of the most basic stuff, but man, we've got we to gotta build our hearts on this foundation. You're free. 
What God wants for you is a promise to you. And it doesn't come into your life when you get it right. It comes into your life when you surrender and just say, yes, I'm willing to believe in Jesus with my whole heart, with my whole body, with everything that's in me. This is the fight that we have when our soul disagrees, when our behavior disagrees, when our past disagrees, when things that we were fighting for still rise up and say, okay, yeah, are you really seriously willing to believe? Because this already happened to you just last year. Remember that part? I mean, you're still suffering from the pain of this. Well, you know what? The world has plenty of pain. Which one do you want to live in? The truth of the kingdom or the circumstances of the world? I know that's hard. I know that's hard. And some of y'all have been through things that I can't even pretend to know what you're going through. But you still, you still have the choice. Are you going to live as a child? Or are you going to live as a slave? Father, we, we thank you for your spirit, for your word, for your continual reminder of your voice telling us that we're your children. That's what you do. You confirm to us that we belong to you. You confirm to us that we are your children. And we only want to see ourselves as you see Jesus. That is where power is. That is where faith is. That is where love is. That is where we walk free from, from shame and we walk free from sin and we walk free from the stuff happening in this world. We just want to shake the world off. I, I really don't think Jesus is worried one bit about politics or, or the things that we get our minds so into, God's concerned with people. God wants people free, and it's your love that sets people free. We just want to be your vessels. We want to live loved. Every day we want to wake up and go through the process of reminding ourselves, this is already true of me. Jesus is in me. I am perfect and holy because of him. I'm going to put on that mindset today and I'm going to live that way. Thank you, Lord, for that voice that reminds us. Thank you for your grace that empowers us. And thank you for your spirit that teaches us and leads us. And thank you for your promise. I open my heart in this moment. and Do, do this as much as you can. I open my heart to you. I open my mind to you. I open everything I am to you to just receive the promises that you want to establish into my life. I don't want to limit you with my self-righteousness. I don't want to limit you with what I do in my mind and in my heart and my behavior that makes me feel disqualified. I just want to let you flow in my life.